0: I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to the 7th chapter of the book of Romans. I remember hearing a number of years ago, a youth and uh, apologetic speaker named Josh McDowell used the phrase you see on the screen up there, rules without relationship produces rebellion. Uh, that thought had a real effect on my parenting as my children were growing up. My wife and I always went to great lengths to try to make sure that our kids knew that they were unconditionally loved, even when we were practicing tough love and telling them no when they wanted to hear yes. Uh, we're following the same approach as we relate to our grandchildren as well. we are trying to, a little harder with grandkids sometimes, tell them no. Uh, But that concept of rules without relationship produces rebellion also explains why sometimes Christians struggle in Christian living, even as we see here expressed by the Apostle Paul a little later on in the seventh chapter of of Romans. So far in in Romans, we have learned that uh, we can be justified freely by God's grace by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of all of our sin. We also can live in victory by knowing that we are, have died with Christ to sin and reckoning that to be true, knowing that sin does not have to have dominion over us. And then by consciously yielding our, our members, our bodies, to the Lord to use for him submitting ourselves to the Lord to serve him instead of serving sin we uh, find the right way for living in victory kind of given to us in Romans chapter 6 and also somewhat in Romans chapter 8 as well here in chapter 7 uh, we, we see the wrong way for sanctification the wrong way to live a holy life and it is a way that that focuses on, on rules, as uh, we find spelled out in here. In, in Romans chapter 7, we, we find that it uh, repeatedly uses the, the first person uh, personal pronoun. I 30 times, me 12 times, my 4 times, myself once. And that's a total of, of 47 times the uh, first person personal pronoun is used in the book of in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, uh, starting in verse seven and going through verse twenty-five, and it's no wonder that we see a struggle going on where there's that, that much focus on, on self. And Paul expresses this. If you look in Romans seven in verses four fifteen here, Paul says, "For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate." That I do. Drop down to verse 19. He says, for the good that I, I, I will to do, I, I, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. That I do. And he can, brings it all to a conclusion, verse 24, where he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Most of us have experienced what Paul's talking about here. We're familiar with that struggle. The things I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things I don't want to do, I find those things showing up in my life. Well, why does that happen so much? Well, we find that a lot of times that happens because our focus isn't where it needs to be. Our our focus is on what we need to do and and what we don't want to do. It's it's focused on, on the law. It's focused on rules. Instead of having our focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, where it belongs, where we should have it. And we find that as we we look at the passage that that Pastor Mark read for us earlier here, the the first six verses of this chapter uh, talk about uh, why we shouldn't be focusing on the law, why we shouldn't be focusing on a list of do's and don'ts, why we don't have to do that. You know, it's kind of interesting. You talk to some people about, well, how do you expect to, that you're going to get into heaven? Well, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm going to keep the rules. Talk to some Christians. Well, how are you going to live the Christian life? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep the rules. I'm going to keep my church's rules. I'm going to keep the Bible rules. And really, Christian living's not all about that. Christian living's all about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that it spells it out here in this passage by emphasizing, first of all, that we're not under the law. Just as we're not under sin anymore, as Christians who know Christ, we're not under the law. Uh, the law has jurisdiction, it says, over a man only as long as he lives. That was true of the law of Moses. Uh, that, that's true of any, any law that there is. When you die, the, the law doesn't have any jurisdiction over you anymore. In fact, can you imagine a person killing a president of the United States of America and, and never going to trial, never being tried. Well, that happened back in the 1960s. A fellow by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald shot President John F. Kennedy and killed him down in Dallas. Uh, Oswald was captured, but he never went to trial. You know why? Because he was killed himself. And uh, they, they, there was no point in taking him to trial. The law only has jurisdiction over a person as long as they, they live. And we find that uh, and the other example that's pulled out in this passage here has to do with, with marriage. And the emphasis says for a, a woman who has, has a husband, she's bound by law to that husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her, her husband. Uh, marriage bond, only has jurisdiction until death. If your mate dies, you're free to marry another. Uh, If you die, your mate is free to marry another. And he's talking about death breaking bond. By the way, this this illustration is not intended to be a discourse on marriage and divorce and remarriage. Uh, There's a whole lot of other scripture you're going to look at uh, before you're going to come up with a, a biblical perspective on that. Uh, we find this is simply an illustration that's being used here and emphasizes the fact that if a person's mate dies, they are, are free. Death breaks the marriage bond and leaves the living mate free to marry another. Uh, leaves free in other ways. I shared with you a few weeks ago how when my dad passed away, my mother was free to get her skylights in the kitchen and the bathroom. Uh, she was free to buy her minivan she would have been free to remarry had she so desired I guess confessing as her son I'm kind of glad she didn't but uh, you know, she was still all ours at that point but she would have been free to do that and we would have been happy for her if she'd find found a good Christian guy to get married to and have a companionship with and uh, it's true for anyone who loses a mate through death but one thing I should emphasize if a Christian loses a mate they should only marry another Christian 1 corinthians chapter 7 emphasizes that well what's this all about uh, dead to the law uh, you're free if your mate dies well what's paul trying getting at here what's he talking about what's the focal point which would we be considering here and that is the fact that death breaks our bond to the the law so he spells out in verses 4 and 5 and our identification with christ in his death is what makes us dead to the law. Jesus kept the law perfectly, so we don't have to. Jesus paid the penalty that the law demanded. Uh, When somebody breaks the law, they they were guilty of of, of violating it, and they were guilty and and subject subject to death, subject to the violation of it. But Christ became a curse for us, when he died on that cross at Calvary. He, he paid the penalty completely for our violation of God's standards. And so today we are, we are free from the curse of the law and we are free also from impersonal service to the law. That's not what Christian living's about. That's not what Christianity's about. In fact, our identification with Jesus brings us into a union with him, He paid our penalty. Uh, just like we died to, to, to uh, sin, we died to the law. And we find that our identification with Christ brings us into a union with Him. Uh, Paul states that here in, in verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you've also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, even to him who's raised from the dead. This is what Christianity is about. It's about entering into a union with Jesus Christ, entering into a relationship with Him. Our focus isn't on sin, our focus isn't on the law for the Christian. Our focus is on a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's the person who was raised from the dead. Our relationships with a very powerful person, our relationships with a person who's powerful enough to give us forgiveness. Our relationship is with a person who is is powerful enough to enable us to live with victory over sin if we keep our focus on Him. We're joined to one who was raised from the dead. We're also joined, we're told here, with one who is able to help us to bear fruit. We're married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God when we have that relationship with Christ and we abide in Him. John chapter 15 would be a great passage to go to this morning if we had had time to cover all that. But he talks about the fact that that He's the true vine. And and the Father is the vine dresser. And how we need to be like the the branches of a vine. We need to stay in, in connection with Christ. And when we do that, we will produce fruit. Fruit is a natural result of a growing, healthy vine. If you've got a grapevine in your backyard and that that grapevine's happy, happy. If it's healthy and and it's been pruned properly and things like that, at a certain point in the year, there's going to be leaves that come out on that that vine and then there's going to be grapes that are going to form on that ground. It happens because that that particular branch as part of the vine is in connection with it, and and the life of the vine shows up through fruit in that particular branch. So it is, when we're living in a close connection with Jesus, when we got to focus on him, fruit will be produced in our lives, and the Lord helps us to produce more fruit. We're told the Father is the vine dresser, and and where there, there's fruit being produced, he prunes us and, so that more fruit will be produced. And much fruit will be produced. And, and fruit that remains will be produced. But it all comes from that relationship with Christ. Not just going to church. Not just reading the Bible. Those things may be part of our relationship with Christ. Worshiping him. Reading him. Let him speak to us from his word. But, but you know, you can read the Bible and it's just a dead exercise. You can go to a church service that means absolutely nothing and has nothing to do with a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, hope, I hope when you sang that Fanny Crosby song, Blessed Assurance, a while ago, uh, Jesus is mine. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. I, I hope those aren't just words that come out of your mouth. But I hope that the thoughts really are registering in your mind. I'm a Christian today. I have forgiveness. I have eternal life because Jesus really is my Savior. He walks with me. He talks with me. He he helps me in what I'm going through in my life. He's promised he'll never leave me or forsake me. That's what the Christian life's all about. It's that connection with Christ. It's easy to slip into, well, what's being a Christian about? Well, it's living the way my parents told me to live. It's living the way my church tells me to live. It's keeping these rules. It's honoring the church constitution or the church covenant. No, it's about living for Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus does give us commands. Jesus does warn us. Jesus does tell us the things that please him and things that don't please him. But our focus really needs to be on him, not on on the law, not on rules and regulations and things that I'm supposed to do but our focus needs to be on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope when you pray, you're really talking to the Lord. I hope when you read Scripture, you're really looking for, for what the Lord has for you in His Word. I hope when you uh, try to share Christ with somebody, you're not just doing it because, well, that's what Christians should do. I, I hope you're doing that because you you love you love your Lord, and you want to tell other people about them. You know how it is when you, when you fall in love with a, a, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you, you want to tell other people about him, right? You know, I met this person, and boy, let me tell you about them. They're wonderful. They're terrific. And, and man, we could just talk to people about Jesus like that. It's all about a personal relationship. Now, the, the law, when we were under the law, when people are under the law, it fails to produce holiness. Uh, living according to a list of rules and regulations no matter what kind it is doesn't really produce holiness because we're in the flesh and and our sinful passions when we're in the flesh our sin nature works against us in fact he gives a statement here and he talks about the fact that the law even aroused verse 5 for when we were in the flesh the passions of sins which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Not good fruit, not the fruit of the Spirit, not fruit that's glorifying to the Lord, but fruit to death. Let me show you how, how, how bad the, the flesh is and, and how even when, when the law is, is there, sometimes it arouses, arouses sin within us. You know, the sin nature is a weird thing, isn't it? And it's a powerful thing. In fact, you know, somebody, sometimes when somebody tells you not to do something, what's your reaction? Honestly, now, what's your reaction? I'm going to do it. And if they they tell you to do something, don't be telling me what to do. I'm not going to do it. Now, now, be honest now. You don't have to shout it out. But, but in your own mind, you see a sign that says, keep off the grass. What do you want to do? You want to walk on that grass. You see a sign that says, do not touch wet paint. What do you want to do? Anybody here ever get paint on your finger? Because you didn't believe the sign? What is, what's wrong with us? It's that sin nature. That's in nature. That, that when where our focus is just on things we're told to do or told not to do. It, it raises up something inside of us where we want to go contrary to what we're being told to do or told not to do. And, and the, result, the result can be a disastrous thing. You know, we find that as you get to verse 6, the, uh, the, the bottom line of all this, is talking about the fact that, that now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Serving under the oldness of the letter means just doing what the letter of the law tells you to do and jesus tried to correct that among the pharisees and the religious leaders in in the sermon on the mount they thought they were holy because they didn't kill anybody jesus said you've heard it said you should not kill you should not commit murder literally but i say to you if you hate your brother you committed murder in your heart you've heard it Seen it written it, that you shall not commit adultery. I say to you that if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. What's he saying? He's saying just keeping the letter of the law isn't enough. You know That wasn't enough to bring holiness. In fact, uh, the, 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 the Jews did some weird things with that. They'd even use the letter of the law to their benefit to take advantage of other people jesus talked about the pharisees and how sometimes if they had parents that were in need and they had finances where they could help their parents you know back then when people got old there was no social security and uh, there there weren't retirement programs things like that you know what the retirement program was have lots of kids (laughs) and hope your kids are going to love you and help you out but some of these Pharisees, these, these super spiritual guys, they'd say, well, folks, we're, we'd love to help you out, but we've declared all of our goods Corban, K-O-R-B-A-N, which meant they're dedicated to God. Now, they can still use them for themselves, but they couldn't use them to help their parents. What are they doing? They're taking the letter of the law, they're twisting it around, and they're violating the spirit of the law. It's kind of like you tell your child, don't you eat a cookie? Don't you eat a cookie? And so you come home, and the cookie jar's almost empty. And say, didn't I tell you not to eat a cookie? And, and well, I didn't eat a cookie. I ate 12. <laughs> yeah. Did they keep the letter of the law? Yeah, but they, they missed something here. They miss the spirit of the law. And Christ said, when we know him, we're dead to the law. And it says here, we are are not to serve in in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the spirit. In the New King James here, S is capitalized for Holy Spirit. And that, that could be in view, talking about the Holy Spirit directing us. And certainly as we live the Christian life, Christians are led by the Spirit. We're going to see that in chapter 8 when we get over there. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life. But I think there's actually even more involved than than just talking about the Holy Spirit here. I think it's talking about even kind of the Spirit of the law. When when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest? What's the greatest law? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart your mind, your soul, everything's within you, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see what Jesus is telling them? He's telling them even in the Old Testament, even when the Jews were under the law, it, it wasn't about keeping a whole list of rules and regulations. It was about a relationship. Why were the Jews supposed to obey the law? Because they loved the Lord with everything within them. And what are we to do today? We're to love Jesus and, and follow him and to have that, that spirit of the law, not just looking for the letter of it, but serving in the newness of the spirit. Marriage is a good illustration of this. You know, can you uh, imagine, one, one of the things that's going on today is people are, are coming up with uh, marriage contracts. And in fact, I looked over some of them. In preparation for the message today some of the marriage contracts that people use and uh, we find that can you imagine if you came to get married and all of a sudden you're being asked to promise fellows to take out the trash to kill spiders that was on one marriage contract that I looked like this one said uh, the wife says I will pack your lunch I will make the bed I'll always kiss you when you're mad and the husband responds, You will catch spiders. You will get the mail. You'll hug me all the time. Well, that's all right. But just, just imagine being given a list of things. I'll, I'll, I'll take out, you know, you're going to take out the trash. You're going to bring your paycheck straight home every week. You're going to do this whole list of stuff. You'll cut the grass. You'll do that. Just imagine a whole list of things. You will hug your wife four times a day, you will tell her, I love you 10 times a day or whatever. Can you imagine doing that because it was in a list? Ladies, could you imagine? Uh, here's in the contract. I will wash your dirty underwear. I will wash dishes. I will make so many meals a day. I will do this. I will do that. And just having this list. Now, honestly, in marriage, do you do those things? Ladies, do you wash dirty underwear? Guys, do you take out Trash? Do you, do you hug your wife? I hope you do. Do you kiss your wife? Do you tell her you love her? Do you do those things? Why do you do them? Why do you do them? Because they're on a list? No, you do them because you love that person. You do them because of the relationship. You know, there's a lot of things you would, you do for love that you're not going to do because they're part of a contract. Amen? I sure hope so. That's what it comes to when it comes to Christian living as well. It's not about a list, following a list of rules and regulation. We have died to the law. We're alive to Jesus. We're united with Jesus. We're joined to Jesus. We're, we're linked up with him. And, and you know, it moves into when you've got that kind of a, a relationship going on. It moves from a want-to motivation. Instead of a have to. Don't you wouldn't you rather have your husband buy you flowers because he wants to? Not because he has to? Don't you want your wife to fix a special meal for you because she wants to? Not because she has to, because it's Father's Day. Because it's your birthday. You know, we 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 all want people to respond to us with that want to. And, and isn't it more enjoyable to go through a relationship? with that want-to kind of a motivation going on. In fact, sometimes in a marriage, when it becomes a have-to motivation, it becomes kind of a drudgery in the marriage relationship. And that's what happens sometimes in people's Christian lives, why they struggle, why you have things going on, like we see later on in Romans chapter 7. They're living a have-to. I have to keep this list. I have to do these things instead of, man, what a great Savior I got. Oh, what he's done for me. Oh, the wonderful promises he's given to me. Oh, what he has in store for me. I I, want to love him. I want to serve him. I love him because he first loved me. What a great thing that is. The Apostle Paul could say in his life, for me to live is Christ. And, uh, you know, I understand, I've read this anyway, that when, when a married couple has been together for a long time. They become more and more like each other. Would you pray for my poor wife? (laughs) We're going on 44 years. Uh, I've seen some of that. But the good news is, when you spend a lot of time with Jesus, and you relate to him, and you pray, and you talk to him, and you contemplate who he is, and you love him, you know what happens? You become more like him. And that's what the Christian life's about. Becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus. To the place where we could, with Paul, say, For me to live as Christ. I just want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I just want to love him. I just want to serve him. I just want to make my life count for the Lord. Paul could say that. He could say, For me to live as Christ. And then he, he piggybacked on that. what did he say after that? To die is gain. You want your life to count for something so that you can say to die is gain? Only if we can do like the Apostle Paul and say, for me to live is Christ. And may that be what the focus of our life. is. may he be who the focus of our life is all about. Rules without relationship produces rebellion. The Lord doesn't change the relationship. What happens is we move away from seeing our Christian life being about a relationship. Instead, focus on the have-tos and the rules, and then we get messed up. Heavenly Father, thank you for a wonderful Savior who loves us. Thank you for the privilege to be able to live our lives in, in union with your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anybody with us this morning that's never trusted Christ as Savior, They might have an appreciation for who he is and what he's done for them, and they would surrender their life to Christ today. I pray for each Christian that's here today, Lord. Lord, help us to see that our Christian life is not just about a bunch of rules, but it's about living in a wonderful relationship. That one of these days is going to come to fruition completely when we get to see Jesus face to face. May we hear him say to us, well done, good and faithful servants, because we spent our lives becoming more and more like Him as we went through each and every day. We ask this in the Savior's name. Amen.